Amen. I know the Lord's been um, using this mightily, and then this week was, because uh, every week I think I share um, kind of personal things, but this week, um, yeah, it's self-control, and so it's, uh, yeah. Anyways, let's, let's go before the Lord one more time. Father, again, we do thank you for your goodness, your grace. Thank you for this time that we can gather, Lord, and as Jim prayed at the beginning, Lord, for, for couples to come out and to say, we desire um, that we want you to move and work in our hearts and lives. Um, even as Paul said, I've never, I'm not arrived, and I am not perfect, and none of us have arrived, none of us are perfect. And Lord, I believe as long as we have breath that you want to speak and minister to our hearts, things that we need to, to understand and to learn. And so I pray for that humility and the grace um, that you would speak and minister to our hearts. Give us ears to hear the things you want to say to us tonight by your spirit. And uh, Lord, I thank you for um, all those who brought uh, all the goodies, Lord, the, the food, all of that stuff. Thank you so much. And uh, thank you for, because of the blood of Jesus, we have fellowship with one another. We have fellowship with you. Um, and so be with our fellowship tonight. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Again, as we are continuing in our Precious Marriage 2 uh, series, uh, we're continuing down our list of things that we are to add to our lives, as uh, it tells us in Second Peter there, chapter 1. And we saw that we add faith, we add virtue, we had knowledge, and now we're told, um, add to our knowledge, self-control. Again, this is the same word used in describing the fruit of the Spirit, and it's the last in the list there, Galatians 5. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I shared this with you guys before, but I have a missionary friend, actually I pray with him, he's in India, and he works with Wycliffe, doing Bible translations, but... Uh, um, he was telling me one time when we were talking about that list and self-control, he said, I believe self-control is at the end because it's one of the hardest ones to really grasp hold of, especially, I think, especially for some, for some of us guys in a sense. But again, the word self-control, it means to have one's passions under control. The word here refers to really the mastery over all evil desires and appetites. And that we are to allow none of those evil desires and appetites really to control us. And this is really getting into what Paul talks about quite often in his letters. The putting off and the putting on. We talk about that often here. Colossians chapter 3. Therefore, uh, put to death your members which are on the earth. Fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience in which you once walked um, when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. And then it goes on to describe what that excuse me, new man, the new woman should look like. And it's put on the tender mercies, the kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you must do also. 
But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you are called in one body and be thankful. Again, listen, we all have all kinds of passions that we deal with each and every day, um, especially right now. Uh, and I'm so thankful. Um, we have a passion for sports. Uh, and I'm thankful that the Dodgers are not playing tonight. Um, so we could come out and enjoy and not have to be worrying or checking our phone for the, the score. But you know, again, we have passion for all these things. We have passion for sports, passion for politics, passion. You know, again, I, I know when our kids were young, we had a passion for our kids to do well. And we really, we wanted them to do that. And that was a passion there. Uh, we have a passion for sex, a passion for work, a passion for pleasure, passion for possessions. Prayerfully, we have a passion for God. And in these things, is it the passion that is controlling us or is it the spirit of God that's controlling us? Do we control our passions or do our passions control us? And this is kind of the question here. Is there that self-control within our lives that's evident by the things that we've put off and by the things that we've put on? Again, people, listen. Self-control is desperately needed uh, within our lives, within the world in which we happen to be living in. As Peter would say there, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. And so we will start with the ladies there. Okay. So self-control, just as you see that spread of food, that's kind of an interesting topic for tonight because there's a lot of good things over there. But I, I love this part to knowledge at self-control. And I just thought for myself, for us as ladies, this is where the rubber meets the road in our personal walk of faith. It's a very necessary attribute of godliness that I need if I want to experience a precious marriage. Because if I do not have self-control, if I lack control over the things I say, the attitudes I have, the things I do, there's not going to be um, the sweetness that God desires for our marriage to have. The word self-control, there's a lot of different definitions, but some of the translations, it was translated temperance, moderation, self-restraint, or discipline. Uh, in the one version, it said, able to marshal and direct one's energies wisely. I like that. Able to direct and to uh, marshal, kind of like, you know, and it reminded me of like a marshal, like a, like a traffic police officer standing in the street, kind of blowing his whistle and saying, you go, you stop. And that's kind of like what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our soul, in our conscience, to direct the traffic of my thoughts, my words, my deeds. So I started thinking, well, am I an obedient driver or does my self rule with road rage when the Lord tries to direct those things in my life? And just the, direct one's energies wisely. Just as Pat pointed out, we have all kinds of passions for a variety of different things. What am I pouring out my energy into? What am I spending my time and my talent and all of my strength going after? And uh, a little self-control in many areas of my life could save me a lot of issues later on. One of the definitions for self-control is to exercise restraint or direction over, to hold in check. And some of the other uh, definitions said to dominate, to regulate, to command myself. Now, again, I love this because 
uh, as we're reading through this, Peter is talking to us. It's uh, self-control, not control over our spouse and their attitudes and their words and their actions, but it's for us personally as women and as wives. This is for us. Self-control almost kind of sounds like we are capable of doing this by ourselves. Self-control. Not, that's not true. We need to let the Lord be in control, and we need to do our part by obeying him. So often we can say, well, I have lots of willpower. That's why we order salad with no dressing and Diet Coke. But later we sneak out that secret bag of peanut butter M&Ms. We don't have self-control. We don't have willpower. We need his power to control our wills. We need his help. George MacDonald describes self-control like this. The controlling power of the will under the operation of the Spirit of God. I really like that definition because we do have to put some effort out here to control the power of my will, but I ultimately need to be under the power and the operation of God's Holy Spirit, or I'm just going to be trying in my own strength and ultimately failing. How I need this godly character to be added to my life every day. The power of my will under the control of the Spirit of God. The power to say no to sin and flesh, and rather to say yes to Jesus and his righteousness. Lust, passions, appetites, and temper can only be ruled by the Spirit of God ruling me. 1 Corinthians 9, in verses 24 through 27, Paul says, I'm sorry, I know you have this one too, but I needed this one. (laughs) It fit in here well. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one obtains the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize exercises self-control in all things. So if you want to be a competitor, if you want to be the one that wins the prize, you need to have self-control in all things. And he goes on to say in verse 27, But I discipline my body and bring it unto subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. I really like that, ladies, because so often we try to walk this Christian walk, we try to quote scriptures to other people, but if we're not living it out in our own life, we can become disqualified. Our testimony can become like uh, offensive to people, like, well, you say that, but you don't really live it. We need to walk this out. Um, As Pat pointed out, when our kids were younger, we had a passion for sports. We loved watching them compete, and I think we've mentioned this before, but our boys were involved in wrestling. Now, self-control was very, very evident, or not, Um, in the sport of wrestling. The ones that truly wanted to succeed did what was necessary to accomplish that goal. They needed to be disciplined in their diet. They needed to be disciplined in training. And you know what? It showed. When they got up on that scale, if they hadn't been disciplined in the things they ate that week, the scale tells all, and they didn't make weight, and they didn't get to wrestle. On the mat, when they were actually wrestling, it's them against their opponent. If they did not discipline that week and train and run and do all the things that were necessary, it would show in that competition because they wouldn't be able to keep up. They wouldn't be able to do the things they needed to do in order to be victorious. And so too with us as women and as wives. What our husbands, our families, others see in us is a result of what's ruling and reigning in our hearts. Do they see self-control in me, or do they just see self? And so often, I have to say sadly, sometimes they see self. 
Galatians 5, 22 through 23, Pat quoted those. Um, that's often uh, titled the fruit of the Holy Spirit. It's the attributes of God's love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. In 2 Peter 1, verses 5 through 7, some um, authors titled this the fruit of true faith. So I like that. You've got the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of faith. And the attributes of the fruit of the faith are virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. What I love about these two lists is that there's some items that are on there twice. And self-control is one of those items that's on both lists. Walking in the Spirit and walking in the faith, we need self-control. If I want my marriage to be precious, I need self-control. I need to be able to learn how to die to self, my wants, my opinions, my demands. I must be willing to surrender those things to God so he can work as he does best. Now, that doesn't mean you never get an opinion, that you never get to say anything, that you never get to uh, say, well, I really want it to be like this. But it means that I don't get to demand that. I don't, as Pat pointed out, it doesn't um, need to consume me. And when it does, then I might be out of order. And self-control might not be operating in my heart and in my life at that moment. And when I am willing to surrender those things to the Lord, he can do what he wants to do. And do you know what I love about those two verses, that um, Galatians and Second Peter, when we choose to walk in self-control, there are rewards. For those of you ladies that shopped it because you get rewards and you get little benefits and coupons and all that, discounts and all that good stuff, there's rewards when we choose to walk in the spirit and walk in faith and operate in self-control in our lives. Besides a great marriage, because when you choose to have self-control, it blesses your husband that you sometimes submit to his opinion, that you sometimes surrender or say, I'll do, we're going to do it your way and not mine. That blesses your spouse. But not only that, listen to what it says at each, at the end of each of those verses as promises to us who choose to obey. In Galatians 5.23, after listing all of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it says, against such there is no law. So basically what that says is there is no law in this world that can overrule when you choose to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. There's nothing that man can throw your way to say, oh, yeah, but look about this. Because, nope, I'm going to choose to walk in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And listen to the promise in Second Peter verses, uh, chapter 1, verse 8. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, a promise. If these things, uh, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love, if those things are operating in my life, if I am walking and adding those things to my life, then I'm going to abound. I'm not going to be unfruitful. I'm not going to be barren as I walk in the Lord Jesus Christ. There's going to be fruit out of my life. As I walk in the Spirit and in faith, I'm going to become more like Jesus, pleasing the Lord and bearing fruit as I walk with him. One version said that self-control, it said it like this, restraint motivated, motivated by a desire to please God. If I want to please God, if I want to be pleasing to my spouse, I need to walk in faith and in self-control. I need to be a spirit-controlled woman. Now you might say, well, what does that look like? How does that look? So I just listed a few things 
of what that might look like uh, for me in particular anyways. Self-controlled in my speech, knowing when to speak up, but speaking that truth in love. Don't use words like always and ever. And I find myself very guilty. You always, you never do that. That's not truth spoken in love because it's not really true that he always or never does those things. But sometimes when we're angry and want to get a point across, we use speech that isn't edifying in that way. Remember what Proverbs 15:1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. If I'm self-controlled in my speech, I will be less prone to stir up anger in our relationship. Knowing when to be quiet, Sometimes the Lord would simply have me to just zip it up and be quiet. Proverbs 10:19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but she who restrains her lips is wise. I put in the feminine gender there. But again, the point is sometimes he doesn't need to hear the whole story. Sometimes I don't need to keep badgering him with what's bothering me. Sometimes the Lord says, enough, be quiet. And be careful, because in the multitude of my words, the Proverbs tells me sin is not lacking. Because it's very easy for us as ladies to cross over from that point of, I need to let you know how I'm feeling right now. And then it gets worse and worse and worse. And then pretty soon, I lack self-control, and my words are just badgering him. And sin has entered in. So we need to be careful of that. And one other thing, even knowing the right timing for speech, sometimes... There are things that can wait till a better moment. And I've learned that the hard way many times when I've brought up something when it's really not a good time and that never goes well and it ends up doing the very opposite of what you wanted to do. Instead of having this healthy conversation about something that maybe is in my heart or bothering me or that I feel hurt or upset about, it just turns into something more of a blowout and it doesn't accomplish anything good. So just knowing that the right timing could be self-control in operation in the things that I say. It's a good thing that we looked at knowledge last week because we need knowledge to know the Lord's timing for these things. We need the Lord's knowledge to know when to speak up and say something, when to be quiet, and when is the right point. It can prevent me from saying something that might be unkind or unloving, an exaggeration. How often as we as ladies do we exaggerate things because we can tell by the look on their face, okay, you're not getting it, or maybe they're not tuned in because the Dodger game's on. So we have to exaggerate to get their attention. And yet the Lord would say, that's not self-control. That's only going to cause words that wound and hurt and cause a problem. I, um, I love that little acronym about when we speak to our spouse of think, and it's true for anyone, but in any relationship, but especially in our marriage. Is it T, is it true? H, is it helpful? Do I really need to say this? I, is it in love? Or is this anger or emotion ready to spew out and kind of spill over? N, is it necessary? Do I really need to say this right now or do I need to say it at all? K, is it kind? And so those kind of things I can just use as a reminder when I want to use self-control in speech. Self-control in my actions the way I dress, the way I act in public, at work, with friends. Would my husband approve of that action or the way I'm dressed? Would, would Jesus approve? Do they see a spirit-controlled woman or what do they see? What I do and where I go for fun, my passions, 
shopping, eating, movie, books, whatever those things might be, what are they? And are they controlled by the Spirit of God are they, or are they controlled by myself and my flesh? And this can be a really dangerous area. I was thinking in particular for us as ladies, if I am spending more time and my time is more important than our time in the marriage, that might be an area where I'm lacking self-control and I need to ask the Lord for wisdom and for knowledge to know how to, to walk. How do I respond to conflict? Am I self-controlled when there's a conflict or am I out of control? In a rage, having outbursts of anger, stomping around, throwing pants, screaming harsh words. If those things are happening, then there's not self-control in action that I am out of control. Another area put for us as ladies, self-controlled in our emotions. Do I hold all of my feelings in check with God's word, or do I let them just rage out of control? Again, when it comes to our emotions and our passions, the world portrays such a warped picture of love and passion. And we need to be careful as ladies that we don't allow our minds and our hearts to become in this emotional affair with what we imagine that passion should look like. You know, through the movies that we watch and books that we might read, you know, fairy tales kind of thing, we have this thing in our mind created of what passion should look like. And yet sometimes then we look around like, okay, wait, this isn't measuring up to what I saw on the screen. And that's because it's not true. It's fake. We need to be blessed by the spouse that the Lord has given us. And we need to pour our passion into our marriage and use the energy, as it said earlier, wisely in the passion of building our relationship and not looking around and comparing ourselves to Hollywood and trying to measure up what they portray. Be spirit-controlled at work or when we go out into the world. Beware of the affections of others. You know, again, you know, if you have a coworker, oh, you look nice today, that's great, okay? But sometimes that continues on. Oh, you look nice every day, oh, wow. Don't go there. Don't allow our emotions to be taken captive by something that's not of the Lord. The enemy loves to confuse and divide, to uh, cause us to think that um, someone else might satisfy. They listen so much better. They pay attention to how I look. You know, I just wrote, the grass is not greener somewhere else. It's just fake. It's astroturf. It's, it might look greener, but it's not real. And that's what Hollywood does. It portrays something that's really not real. And then we start comparing it and feel like, well, we don't measure up to that. So what's wrong with our marriage? Ask the Lord, ask the Lord's wisdom, and use self-control in those areas of our emotions. And the last thing I wrote was self-controlled in my walk with Jesus. Am I disciplined in my daily time with the Lord? And if I'm not, I need the Lord to help me to have self-control in that area. Because I can find lots of time to be on Facebook or or Amazon for shopping or those kinds of things, make sure that I spend that same amount of time with Jesus. And my discipline to pray rather than complain or gossip to other people. Am I disciplined, <clears throat> self-controlled, and willing to say no to myself or my will and yes to his? He does know what's best for us, ladies, and Jesus is our best example. Remember when he was in the garden contemplating the pain and sorrow he was about to bear for me and for you to bear um, the guilt and the uh, penalty for our sins and our, our guilt. And he asked the Father if there was any other way, and he said in Mark 16, 36, 
Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Self-control is able to say, okay, I don't have to have my way. Lord, whatever you want to do, I want to do. How we need self-control to be added to our lives, to our faith, and to our walk with Jesus. Without his loving control, it's just going to be self. No control, just self. And it's going to be all about me, all about my flesh, all about my sin. But with God's help, the promise will be true. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we will experience a precious and fruitful, thriving marriage. Amen. Amen. And for us guys, sorry, there we go. For us men, I do find it interesting um, that this word is uh, used two other times, uh, only two other times in the New Testament. Uh, Galatians 5, where we talked about at the end of that list of the fruit of the Spirit, as well as in Acts 24. And in Acts 24, it tells us that Paul the Apostle, he was in prison. And while he was there in prison, he had some very special um, visitors come and visit him actually quite often. Uh, and this is what it says here in Acts 24, 24. It says, after some days, when Felix came uh, with his wife, um, Drusilla. Drusilla. Drusilla, yes. I'm guessing. Sorry. I have a kind of a maybe future. Well, I better not say anything like that. Anyways. <laughs> and it says Drusilla was Jewish. Uh, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith. Now listen, as Paul reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and judgment to come. Listen, for any of you Bible people who like to teach Bible lessons, there's an incredible three-part message right there uh, that, that Paul was preaching. He reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come. It says, Felix was afraid and answered, go away for now. And when I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Meanwhile, he also hoped that money would be given him by Paul, that he might release him. Therefore, he sent for him more often and conversed with him. So Paul would communicate to Felix, the governor, that controlling one's passions is something that God cares greatly about. And, and, and if we are unwilling to exercise self-control, we are going to experience what Paul communicated to Felix. And that is the judgment to come, which made Felix afraid. And, and I think about this. Felix was the governor over the land at that area. And yet he, in talking with Paul, he gets afraid. Why would someone with such authority be afraid over a simple conversation? I know about you, but if you ever notice when you talk to people about Jesus, you do get all kinds of different reactions some are healthy, some are unhealthy. Uh, but when you talk about their own actions, that one day they're going to be held accountable for the way in which they are conducting themselves. And that each one of us is going to stand before a holy, righteous God for judgment. And most people do not do well with that thought. And it causes them to be afraid. From this story, we see that things haven't changed much at all. People want to live their lives without any consequence of their actions. Felix knew his wife. She was Jewish. She knew as well that there were consequences for their actions. Hence why they were afraid when Paul was sharing with them. Because they knew 
the truth. She was Jewish. She was raised in a Jewish home. She knew that that was true. And yet, um, when we understand that judgment is waiting, uh, that's why people, they don't want to hear about the things of God. Um, they, 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 they don't want to hear what God has to say. They don't want to hear what God requires. And yet, because they don't want to be held accountable for their actions, people often do not want to exercise self-control or restraint. They want to do what they want to do when they want to do it, regardless of the consequences. How oftentimes do we even, as believers, as Christians, we fall into that same trap of wanting to do, well, I don't care. I'm going to do this just because I'm mad or I'm frustrated. And again, it's not in self-control. Uh, if you're reading through the Bible, we on staff, we kind of, or some of us, kind of read through the Bible. And, and just a couple of days ago, we were reading through, we're in First in Thessalonians chapter 4, and this is what it says. And it's so tied in. I told Mary, don't use this verse. I'm using this one. Anyways, <laughs> but First Thessalonians chapter 4, it says in verse 1, it says, Finding their brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more, just as you received from us how you ought to walk and to please God. So this is, we want to talk to you guys about how you ought to walk, and that walking should be in pleasing God. For you know what commandment we gave you through the Lord Jesus, for this is the will of God. Now, anytime you're reading in the New Testament, and it says, this is the will of God, and it says it about three, four times. Again, that's a great study as well for those of you who want to do it. It's like, hey, this is God's will. And it says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. The sanctification is the process of making us holy. It's the process of making us holy. It is something that all of us, in a sense, when we receive Jesus Christ, we are now involved in a sanctification process. Can I tell us, tell each and every one of us, that process does not stop until we are in his presence. Because as long as I'm on this earth, this body, this physical body has the desire to want to sin, to want to, to feed the flesh, you know, to feed that beast um, and, and not to feed the spirit uh, of God. But he says, listen, this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should know how to abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor, not in passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one should take advantage of it or defraud his brother in this matter, because the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also forewarned you and testified. For God did not call us to uncleanliness, but to holiness, that sanctification. Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us the Holy Spirit. Again, the Lord has called us men, as we talked about last week, to walk worthy in the calling that he has called us to, to be pleasing to God, to learn how to possess our own vessel in sanctification and honor and practice self-control. Don't act like the world who is all about living their lives after the flesh and is consumed with, with sex, and, and, and yet we're desiring to live our lives. God wants us to be desiring to live our lives in holiness. We are called in, in such a way that we are to please God in all things, walk in such a way that we are pleasing him in all things. 
and that we learn how to possess our own vessel in sanctification and honor. Listen, I was talking with a guy the other day, and he was saying that there are some Bible scholars, when they talk about that word there, the vessel, they believe that Paul is, because he's talking about sexual things, they believe that Paul is, is talking about, um, uh, what he's talking about is our wives, conducting ourselves with them in such a way that it's done in sanctification and honor. And again, it, but if it's us men that Paul's talking about, or if it's our wives, again, I found that kind of fascinating. I'd never heard that before, but I was kind of, you know, going over that. And I think, okay, this is marriage. And, and we can look at it in either way. Uh, because remember, sanctification means to make holy. And if that is how I'm treating my wife, that I desire, I want to make her holy. Uh, again, in, in, the, in the book of Exodus, it talks about when they were making garments for the priests. And it said that there was people who were chosen to make garments of beauty and garments of glory that they would make for the priests. And in a sense, God has called us men to make garments for our wives of glory and of beauty. Okay, but but again, whether it's doing that, if I'm honoring my wife, listen, this woman, if if I am trying to make garments for her of beauty and glory every day, if I am honoring her and and who she is every day, I'm going to tell you something. This woman is going to be extremely happy. She's going to be extremely blessed. She's going to love it. Listen, my wife loves it when I pray with her. She, She enjoys it this morning. Woke up, uh, went out, did my reading, came back, and, and I just want to, you know, Mary, I just need to pray. And I didn't do that just because I wanted to talk about it tonight. But anyways, but I, there you, I wanted amazing. to, yeah, it is amazing. <laughs> Great example. I wrote this afterwards. But anyways, um, but she loves that and she loves it when we do things like that. Why? Because it connects us in the spiritual sense. And again, I've talked about this before. Men, we love being connected, you know, physically. Women love being connected emotionally. But when we connect and the spiritual, it's a deeper connection that goes beyond all that other stuff. Listen, for us men, again, Solomon would say this. He who is slow uh, to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a broken, is a city broken down without walls. We're, we're called to rule our spirit. And again, Paul, as Mary shared that scripture too, I, I love that. I, I did have that in my notes um, in a sense of when he was talking about himself where he said, hey, uh, uh, just like an athlete running the race. Listen, I, I'll tell you this because um, Mary already shared the scripture. Um, but um, it, when it came to our sons who were both, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll do a little boasting here. But our sons who were radically um, in wrestling, they had to be self-controlled. My son, when he was a junior in high school, lost once that year. And I would just say amen. Uh, but it was, and it was to the guy who won the state championship. So he only lost once. My, that son was a radically disciplined athlete. You know, my younger son, he was actually a better wrestler, but he wasn't disciplined. He didn't have that same, what's that? Not as disciplined. Not as disciplined, yes. He didn't have, I mean, he still made it to state and did really well. But he, he, he didn't, he wasn't quite as, you know, he kind of take it or leave it type thing. But the, the other one, he wanted to win that race. 
And so he went out every tournament. I'm going to win this race. I'm going to, I'm going to do that. And, and in a sense, to do that, that's, that's um, showing that self-control. But again, when Paul is talking about this, because uh, he says, run in such a way that you may attain a crown. Uh, he says, everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. They do it for a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. He says, I run, not with uncertainty. I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection. Again, at least when I have preached to others, I, might, I should become disqualified. And again, the word temperate there is is very similar to self-control. And the point that Paul is making is that the athlete who wants to win the race, he trains for the race. He puts time and effort into the process. He abstains from certain pleasures that others might enjoy, a rich foods, certain drinks, you know, sexual stuff, so that he can win the race. And if the athlete is willing to put themselves through that kind of a grind, it's to, and that's a perishable crown of flowers. Paul would be saying, how much more should we as Christians want to win the race of life when we have an eternal crown that is waiting for us? And as Paul said, if he had to say, I discipline my body, I think for us that's part of our walk is to discipline our body, uh, to exercise self-control, that we may win the race of life and receive that eternal reward. Again, in First in Peter, he said, for we have spent enough of our past lifetime doing the will of the Gentiles. We walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In regard to these, he said, they think it's strange that you do not run with them in the same food of dissipation, speaking evil of you. Uh, again, listen, this is how we used to be. We used to do all of these things, and yet there's been a change. We live this way in the past, the way of the world, lewdness, lust, drunkenness. Again, I don't know about you, but before Jesus, that was my life. It was all about those things. But that was then, and this is now, no longer living after all of those things that move us away from the Lord, to living our lives after the things that bring us closer to the to the Lord. Listen, the world it says just just the world's going to say just do the lewd thing. Just do the lust thing. Just do the drunk thing. But God would say, exercise self-control that you don't do the lewd thing, that you don't do the lust thing, that you don't do the drunk thing. And each and every day for all of us, listen, we get to make the choice. We can choose to live for the flesh or we can choose to live for the Lord. Live for the Lord. To do that, we need the Holy Spirit so desperately within our lives to allow us to exercise that self-control. The book, the writer of the Hebrews says this. He says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, he is the author and the finisher of our faith. Paul says, and I started kind of with this in Philippians there, not that I've already attained or I'm already perfect, because again, listen, not one of us is. We are not perfect. But Paul says, I press on that I may lay hold for that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Which I love about that is it's like Paul is saying, I'm reaching out, I'm trying to grasp hold of him who already has me. 
Listen, because that's the reality. Jesus, you know, if I think I'm, I'm doing anything for him, that's nothing. You know, because he says, my filthy rags or my best works is like filthy rags is what he says. But he's already holding us. But Paul says there's a part we do. There's a part God does. Our part is we allow. We open our heart and allow the Holy Spirit. We're reaching towards him. His part is he's already holding us and sustaining us within our lives, within our marriages. Again, men, as we add self-control to our lives, it helps us, allows us to put off those things that cause the issues within a marriage. I don't know about you, but I know these are issues within my marriage. When I am filled with anger, lust, filthy language that's coming out of my mouth, that causes issues within my marriage. And yet he's saying we put those off. And yet the Holy Spirit um, doing the self-control thing allows us to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. When that is what I'm doing, again, uh, things within the marriage go very well. And that are, those are things that bring, I don't know about you, I know for my wife, it brings her joy and it brings her pleasure. Amen? Again, Father, we do thank you for your word and the things you've written here within your word for us to learn, for us to understand, for us to hold on to, for us, as Paul says, man, I am reaching out for. Um, Lord, even um, as I was sharing with uh, a brother today, uh, sometimes when I come across a portion of scripture like this, which says, hey, add to uh, your life, that's self-control. And I feel like, Lord, I, I try and I fail miserably in, in all different kinds of areas. And yet I know that is not what you want. That is not what you desire. And yet, God, again, you, what you want is for me to be looking for you, to, to you, to be um, leaning towards you, to be reaching out to you. And believe that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you are going to do that work within our heart and our life. So, God, would you please um, continue to be with us? I, I pray for each and every couple, again, that's here tonight. Lord, I, I pray that maybe they've not prayed together in a long time. Maybe they've never prayed together. Lord, would you put it upon each heart to maybe pray for wife, pray for husband, that we would bring them before you, that you would move and work and and, and Lord, um, the issues that maybe we think are just so, they need to be so addressed as we bring you into the midst of that. Would those issues just dissipate as your love and light would shine forth um, in our hearts and our lives. So, Lord, we look to you. We say, Lord, not our will, uh, but your will, please, to be done as we would seek to follow you. And you would move and work in our hearts and within our marriages. So. Help us, Lord, as we continue on the rest of this week to honor and to serve you, to honor and serve our spouse. In Jesus' name, we ask and pray. All God's couples agree by saying, Amen. Amen.